Fantastic. Great to see you guys. Happy Easter. Easter. Uh, uh, oh, there we go. Easter. Brilliant. It's great to get together for Easter Sunday, isn't it? I, um, I was asking myself um, as I was preparing, what is it that people think about uh, when they think of Easter? And so I, uh, I don't know where you guys go if you have a question these days, but these days if I have a question, my first port of call tends to be Google. And um, so I went onto Google, I typed in Easter, clicked on the images, and um, this it gives you a sample of the first page. Um, it was literally an entire page of buddies, rabbits, chicks, all in kind of pastel colours, nothing else uh, to be seen. Um, maybe then Google isn't the best place to start if we've got a question about Easter. So how about a survey of people instead? Um, there was a survey done recently asking British children aged 5 to 16 um, what they thought Easter was celebrating. And uh, this is, uh, gives you an idea of the results of the survey. About a third of the children thought that Easter was a celebration of the Easter Bunny's birthday. Uh, about a quarter thought that Easter was a celebration of the time that Easter eggs were invented. And nearly half of the children surveyed had no idea at all about the true meaning of Easter. You know, for many adults in our communities as well, Easter isn't really that important or significant, is it? You know, for, uh, it's not really much of a reason to celebrate. Really, it's just another bank holiday weekend. Get some time off work. Um, you know, time to, to uh, go to the garden centre, uh, do some DIY, go for a long walk, catch up with family. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's not much of a reason to, to celebrate. Nothing different about it. But one might, that might be the impression that we get from Google, it might be the impression that we get from surveys, it might be the impression that we get when we look around at our friends and the people that we know in our community. The reality is that around the world today, about 2.4 billion people are celebrating Easter, just like we are today, for a very different reason. They're celebrating an event that took place just over 2,000 years ago. That as followers of Jesus, we would call the greatest day in history. It might be that actually all of you here today would kind of own up and say, yeah, I know the origins of Easter are about something more than just Easter eggs or the Easter bunny. I know that it's all about Jesus. But just knowing intellectually what Easter is about doesn't actually make any difference in your life. Simply knowing about Easter doesn't help anything. You know, what does make a difference is a personal encounter with the living Jesus that transforms Easter from being something that you just know about to being the greatest reason you could ever have to celebrate. Now, what we discover in Easter is how an encounter with Jesus changes everything. We see that for the first encounter that Jesus has, he appears physically on that first Easter to his followers 2,000 years ago. And it completely changes their lives. And we see in that encounter that um, just as, as Jesus is alive and he changes their lives, we learn lessons about how we can know Jesus for ourselves. We learn lessons about how he can still change our lives today in 2016. Now, before we we look at this encounter that Jesus has with his followers on that first Easter evening, why don't we just set a bit of context? Jesus' followers, his closest friends, those who love him, 
They've locked the door. They've closed the windows. They're scared. And they're in hiding. In this moment, their world has been turned upside down. Their hope has been dashed. And their lives are in turmoil. The man that they have given their last few years of their lives to following. The man who they had put all of their hope in. Just days earlier was tortured and mocked. Was crucified and killed. His body was laid in a tomb and the tomb was sealed. And it was heavily guarded. Their hope was gone. And instead they were filled with fear. Fear about the unknown and fear about the future. Fear about what's going to happen to them now. If they're going to kill the Jesus, the one that they followed, what's going to happen to them? But early that morning, a glimmer of hope had begun. Stories were circulating. One of the women, one of the women followers of Jesus called Mary Magdalene had come back from the tomb saying that she'd met Jesus and that he was alive. Then in the afternoon, at that first Easter, Jesus appeared to Peter. And then he appeared to two of the other disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. And then finally in the evening, this encounter happened with all of Jesus' followers. It's a life-transforming moment. And you can find it in a book that one of Jesus' followers called John wrote. Uh, We're going to read from John 20, verses 19 to 22. And this is what John writes. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And just picture the scene for a moment. Jesus' followers have locked themselves away. They're scared. They're confused. And they're in hiding. They're struggling not only with with fear, but also with themselves and the fact that each one of them in their own way has betrayed Jesus. The man who they loved and they'd given their lives to follow. They'd abandoned him when he'd been arrested. Can you imagine the emotional turmoil that they, they must have been in? This mix of fear and guilt. And into this setting, with the doors locked and no way in, Jesus appears amongst them. No, Jesus doesn't stand back thinking to himself, they betrayed me. They let me down. They've blown it. He doesn't stand back thinking to himself, after everything I've taught them, why are they still afraid? How is it that they still don't get it? When are they going to get their act together? No, he doesn't stand back and judge them. The risen Jesus sees those who follow him struggling. Struggling with emotional turmoil. He sees them in need and he comes to them in the midst of that moment. Now so often it's in the midst of our moment of need 
when we're struggling that Jesus makes himself most powerfully known. And just as he drew near to the disciples, just as he drew near to his followers on that first Easter evening, wherever you are at today, Jesus is wanting to draw near to you. He wants to make himself powerfully known to you. And I love what it is that he says to them. And the more that you look at these, these, just these few verses and what it is that Jesus says and what it is that he does and what it is that he offers through these couple of verses, the more that you realize that really it's the sum of life. It's, if we're honest, it's what we're all longing for. You know, in the midst of their fear and their worry and their emotional turmoil, Jesus offers them peace. In the midst of their despair, Jesus brings hope. In the midst of their grief, Jesus brings them joy. In the midst of their weakness, Jesus fills them with his Holy Spirit and gives them power. And in the midst of their uncertainty and their fear for the future, Jesus offers them the greatest purpose. You know, a lot of lives are destroyed through conflict or despair or grief or uncertainty and aimlessness. And Jesus didn't come into the world to destroy. He makes that clear. He didn't come to judge and destroy and ruin lives, but to bring a kind of peace, a kind of hope, a kind of joy, a kind of power, a kind of purpose that brings you life and life in the full. And it can only be found in him. You know, what we see in this encounter on the first Easter evening is a great example of what it is that the risen Jesus, who is alive today, is offering to everyone who will put their trust in him and give their lives to follow him. What we see is that in Jesus we can not only be forgiven, we can not only be set free from guilt because of what he's done on the cross that we remembered on Good Friday, but we see that Jesus is alive today and he is offering all who follow him life and life in all its fullness. That's what we need, isn't it? That's what we want. And we might not be people who are hiding or locked in a room like Jesus' followers were on that night, but there are many ways where we can still feel trapped. We can still feel like we don't know how we can go on. We can still feel like we're asking that question of ourselves, what's the point? Why don't we watch a, a video together that maybe some of you will relate to. I used to have this reoccurring dream where I stood in an empty room staring at a large clock counting down on the wall. The clock was my life, counting down like the steady pour of an hourglass as the numbers made their way towards zero. We're all born with so many minutes, days, years to live, and though life used to stretch out before me like a road filled with opportunity, I now find myself trapped in a room without doors, without expression, quietly watching my life tick away. Then suddenly I'd wake up. In some ways, my life has become like that dream. I'm not trapped in a room, and yet each day seems like a subtle variation of the next.
a lot of it's good, but strangely, it doesn't feel that way. Scared of uncertainty, I've clung to routine, and somehow, instead of walking to the steady beat of possibility, I only hear the slow drum of monotony. I make decisions because of whom I'm expected to be, and do things because I simply have to do them. And those choices begin to stand before me like the walls of a room with no door. I feel stuck. I believe I was meant for more. At the very least, I know that I was meant to truly live. I just don't know how to get there. I don't know how to wake up. But I do know one thing: just because you're living doesn't mean you're alive. It's a powerful last statement, isn't it? Just because you are living doesn't mean that you're really alive. We're going to come back to the man in the video a little bit later, but for now I just want to look at some of the things that we see in this encounter on the first Easter evening that Jesus offers us that bring that real life. Life in all its fullness. That mean that instead of just living we can wake up and be really alive. Now the first words out of Jesus' mouth when he appears to his followers are, peace be with you. And he clearly wants to make sure that they get it because he says it twice. And I love the fact that this is the first words that Jesus says. You know, Jesus knows that peace is something that every single one of us need. Now how many of you would like more peace in your life? You know, we all do. It's something that we long for and we need, but What is it that you really mean when you say that you'd like peace? And what is it that Jesus is actually offering when he says, peace be with you? I want to give you three pictures just to highlight three different areas of thinking about peace. Here's the the first one for you. How many of you would like life to be like that? Now this picture kind of captures... One of those moments in life when everything is going well. You know, it's all about external peace. Peace in our circumstances and our relationships. When people are nice to you. When there's money in the bank. The sun's shining and life is just good. How many of you like life like that? I definitely like life like that. You know, and I believe there's a a sense in which the the peace that Jesus came to bring includes this kind of external peace. You know, he he gives us a promise to care for us, to provide for us, that as we trust in him, we don't have to worry about the external things and we can be at peace. You know, he teaches us how to forgive other people. And that does begin to bring peace into our lives and into our relationships that we have. But ultimately, external peace... World peace on the level where life is just good and you don't have to worry about everything and you've got everything you need and your circumstances are great isn't going to be fully accomplished until Jesus comes back again. And we know that from our own experience, if we're honest, don't we? You know, life isn't always like that tranquil scene on the beach. In fact, life can sometimes feel like the opposite and can be very difficult. 
You might feel like your life is summed up much better by this next picture. Maybe your life is best summed up by a raging storm. Maybe it feels like the world is against you and that life is falling apart. You feel like you're living in a dark place. Some of you, though, if you've got really, really good eyesight, might spot hiding away in the midst of that picture a little bird in the midst of the storm. To help you out, let's go on to the next slide, and I've circled it for you. There we go. There in the middle of the storm, in the middle of this thunder and this lightning, in the middle of the raging torrent of water all around him, is a little bird in his nest, settled down, completely unaffected by his circumstances, completely at peace. This is a picture that I think just sums up so well internal peace. This means that when we have Jesus in our lives, we can be at peace even in the midst of the most difficult of situations. You know, some of you who are here today might feel like your life is, is one big storm. But Jesus is offering you inner peace today. You know, the Bible says that the peace that God offers to us, it goes beyond our understanding. It guards our hearts and our minds in Jesus. That's the kind of peace that Jesus is offering. The thing is that this internal peace that we so desperately need and we long for, in my experience, is actually really difficult to find without this third kind of peace that is in the next picture. This third kind of peace is represented by the cross of Jesus. And the cross speaks of Jesus dying in our place. Also that we can know this third kind of peace. Eternal peace. Now I know before I, um, before I started following Jesus, that I was never really at peace. You know, I lived my life constantly worried about what people thought of me. Constantly searching for something without ever really knowing what it was. I was angry. I had a vicious temper. I used to lash out at things in my anger. And I didn't realize what was going on at the time. But I know now that the reason that I was like that, the reason that I had no peace, was because my relationship with God was broken. I wasn't at peace with God. And I needed his forgiveness. I needed to be free from guilt. I needed to be washed clean. I needed a new start and to be made new. And when I started to follow Jesus, one of the key changes in my life was an incredible sense of peace. An incredible sense of security. And that was based upon eternal peace that Jesus had won for me on the cross. Now if you need peace in your life, And I want to encourage you to look to Jesus today. To make a decision to trust in him. Maybe to trust him for the first time with your life, or maybe just to hand over to him a particular situation. But not only is Jesus offering peace today, he's also offering hope. Now I know of um, some people... uh, 
who I used to know up in, in Manchester, who do tours um, of the, the place in Israel, which is supposed to be the tomb where Jesus was buried. And when they take people to, to the tomb, they always begin by saying the same thing, the same few words. They say, welcome to the birthplace of hope. Welcome to the birthplace of hope. Now, when we celebrate Easter, we are celebrating the birth of hope. At the point that the stone was rolled away, what emerged? Hope emerged. You know, I'm sure you've all um, experienced different times where you were hoping for something and it didn't quite work out. And as a result, you were disappointed. Uh, yeah, I'm going to bear my soul a little bit now. I, some of you will know that I spent 12 years living in Doncaster. Um, and as a result, I count myself among the elite few who call themselves fans of Doncaster Rovers Football Club. And uh, to share a disappointment with you that is still raw. This season, um, things didn't start off so well. Um, but a few months in, we appointed a new manager of the football team. We were um, at the top of the rele- relegation zone at the time. But we appointed Darren Ferguson, the son of the legendary Alex Ferguson of Manchester United fame. There was a great sense of hope around the club and among the fans. Results almost instantly improved. We found ourselves shooting up the table. We were in touching distance of the playoffs. Things were looking great. January came round. Fergie made a few signings, decided to let a few of the old-timers go, tried to transition the team into more of his kind of image. And what's followed has been an absolute disaster. We have the worst form in the entirety of the Football League. Not just our own division. The last ten games, we have drawn one and lost nine. And to make it worse, our last game just this weekend was a 4-0 thrashing by the club at the bottom of the table. The great hope that I had just before Christmas has been dashed. The possibility of promotion is gone. And now we face the disappointment of having crashed back to the relegation zone and a future in League Two. It's not a good time to be a Rovers fan. You know, more seriously, we can be hoping that things will work out in different areas in our life. And they don't. Maybe in a relationship. Maybe an opportunity in work or a career. And for whatever reason, things don't work out like you hope they will. And you're left feeling disappointed, maybe even crushed. And do you know what? That's exactly how the disciples felt on this first Easter. All their hope was placed in Jesus. And then they saw him killed on the cross, buried in a tomb. And it looked like their hope was dead and buried with him. That is until that evening. When Jesus came back from the dead and he appeared before them as a group alive and well. And he showed them where the nails had been. He showed them his side where the spear had been placed. And what we need to realise is that Jesus really did physically become back from the dead. He physically overcame death. Once and for all. And he really is alive today. You know, and God was so concerned that we would grasp this, that over a period of 40 days after Easter, Jesus appeared to over 500 people. Basically revealing himself every single time and saying, I am fully alive. I'm not dead. 
And Jesus' resurrection is God's way of confirming everything that Jesus ever said, everything that Jesus ever did, as true. It means that Jesus isn't just a, a dead prophet or a good teacher. He is alive today. And he wants to have a relationship with you and to be active in your life. And you can trust him. You know, and as we look to the future, we can be confident in God's promise. And we can have hope, no matter what we're facing, because Jesus is alive. He has overcome the grave. He has shown himself to have power over everything. And he has shown that everything that he has promised, he can do. And so we can trust him. Even in those moments when we face disappointment in our circumstances, we can still trust Jesus. We can still know hope that doesn't fail us. So Jesus offers peace. He offers hope. And the last thing that I want to talk about is that he offers us purpose. Now, having a, I think having a sense of purpose in life is so important you know, for every single one of us. You know, what we see on this first Easter evening is that Jesus comes to his followers and he offers them the greatest purpose you can imagine. He says to them, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathes on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. You know, in other words, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a massive purpose. A massive purpose for your life. And in case you don't think that you can possibly fulfill it, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the same spirit, the same power that raised me from the dead to enable you to accomplish the purpose that I'm giving. To enable you to accomplish what it is that I have created you for. You know, God created you for a purpose. He created you for so much more than just to survive like we saw in the video clip earlier. He created you for a purpose. You have been designed for a purpose. And your life is meant to be one of eternal significance in Jesus. You know, the tragedy is that so many people live life like the man in the video that we watched. They wake up. They go to work. They're breathing, they're eating, they're drinking, they're living, but they're not really alive. They're missing out on the purpose that they were created for. And the good news with Easter is that you don't have to miss out on your purpose. Why don't we see what happens next in the video? Last night I was hanging out with a friend and trying to explain where I'm at and how I feel. I looked at him and said, I've come to believe that just because you're living doesn't mean you're alive. We stood there beneath the weight of those words, and it was as though a fog had been lifted and the air had been cleared, like he finally saw me standing there. He said something I'd heard when I was a kid, but I had long forgotten. He said, you know, Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. I smirked and shrugged it off, and eventually we parted ways, but those words, that idea wouldn't leave my head. If God created me, then it means there's a purpose. And if God gave us life, then it means life at its core is a gift. Maybe I just don't know how to open it. Maybe I couldn't. I laid in bed and closed my eyes and I said a prayer. Jesus, I ask you for life. Help me wake up. 
And in some way, somehow he did. Today, I woke up to the same alarm I always do, and I got ready for work like I always have, and yet each breath was drawn in with an air of possibility, of hope, and grace. I'm discovering that Jesus changes everything. I'm choosing to live. This world isn't a room with no door. It's a playground to become who God created me to be. So here I am, and here I come. I'm living. I'm alive. And I feel like I could do this forever. Today, Jesus is alive, and he is offering you peace. He is offering you hope, and he is offering you a great purpose. He is offering you a chance to know life, and life in all its fullness. To not just live, but to be alive. Jesus completely transformed the lives of the disciples on that first Easter. And he is still in the business of transforming lives today. You know, it might be that like the guy in the video, you realize this morning that life is a gift. A gift from God. And that he wants you to live it knowing his peace and eternal security and eternal hope and a life with purpose, with eternal significance. But like the guy in the video, while you you know that life is a gift from God, you you just don't know how to open it. You don't know how to accept and receive what it is that Jesus is offering. And if that's the case, then I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus' offer this morning. It may be that there is a specific area of your life where a light has gone on and you realize that you are not enjoying life to the full as Jesus um, created you for. That you were not experiencing his peace or his hope or his joy or his purpose for you in that area. And you want to come to Jesus with that area of your life. Or it might be that you have never put your trust in Jesus and you realize this morning that you need to. And I want to encourage you, if that's the case, to be bold and to take a step of faith. You can trust Jesus. He has never let me down. And he will never let you down. As you put your trust in him, not only will you receive his forgiveness and be washed clean and given a new start because of his sacrifice on the cross, 
but you will also receive an eternal peace, an eternal hope, and a purpose with eternal significance because he was raised to life and he is alive today. Now, if you want to open God's gift for you today, then I want to encourage you to do three simple things. You can call it the, the ABC of accepting Jesus' offer. I want to encourage you to A, admit your need. Admit that you need Jesus to forgive you, that you need his peace in your life, that you need all that it is that he's offering. B, believe in Jesus. Put your trust in him. Know that you can be confident as you do that because he is alive today. And C, commit your life to him. Make a decision today to give your life over to him. It might be that you're doing that for the first time, or it might be that actually you've realized there's this one area of your life that you've been holding back and you need to give it over to him today. But either way, commit your life in its entirety to Jesus.